Today on The Topping Show, Bud Light tweets and their tweets drop dead like birds. Charles Barkley insults his fans who are boycotting Bud Light. Disney assets are for sale. Norway temporarily banning Facebook and Instagram. The iPhone 15 to have a smaller bezel. Woohoo. ATT and Verizon stock both tank after news of the lead wires comes out. Microsoft releases a new AI tool for businesses. Nissan is the first Japanese company to adopt the Tesla plug. And Taco Bell Tuesday is no longer a trademark. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner and need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Nissan being the first Japanese automobile company to adopt the Tesla plug. Now, keep in mind this also, it hasn't been announced yet, but it's probably indicative for the whole group to become all Teslas as well. When I refer to the group, I mean the Nissan group. So Nissan is actually part of a larger organization by the name of Renault Nissan Mitsubishi Alliance, which, as you kind of guess, they kind of had to band together because they were barely staying alive and barely profitable. So they had to come together and now unfortunately Mitsubishi makes mediocre SUVs instead of piece of automotive history and beautiful three-pedaled sports vehicles. Rest in peace, Mitsubishi. You have fallen so far. The Eclipse is now an SUV. It used to be an iconic three-pedaled sports car driven by Paul Walker and Fast and Furious, cemented in automotive pop culture. But I digress. Maybe they'll make it come back sometime soon. No, probably not. Now, it looks like the strategic alliance is going to begin in 2025, in which Nissan will equip the EVs with the Tesla developed North America Charging Standard, also known as NACS, because acronyms make it sound smart and they're pretty cool. And their goal is to have about 40% of their vehicles in the U.S. be fully electric by 2030. That's according to Nissan, which, of all the vehicles to buy an EV from, one would probably say Tesla. They've been around the longest. They're moderately reliable. I mean, Nissan is known for the Nissan Leaf, which was one of the first to market for a 100% EV vehicle, but it was small, apathetic, pretty unreliable. So it'll be interesting to see how Nissan tries to convert their brand from having a more of a balance to switching the balance more to EV as the pendulum continues to swing. And it's a good bet in terms of Tesla doing that charging port since you have about 60% of all fast chargers in the United States they're Tesla superchargers. This is according to the United States Department of Energy. So it makes sense. You choose the one that is the most number of units out there to make it convenient for your clients. And they're among they're among pretty much every automotive, automotive company that's adopted the standard. You have Ford. I believe GM also announced it. You also have little Rivian. You also have, I believe it was Mercedes from the German community. They joined out as well. So it's kind of like the domino effect or the ripple effect. There's seeing slowly but surely Tesla's expanding exponentially and that business, that part of the business is going to flourish as well. Now, other interesting business news, you have Microsoft releasing a AI tool. Now, this is announced at the company's Inspire conference, which, eh, B, B plus for marketing. I mean, their stock is inspirational. It's grown exponentially. That does inspire many people. 
Now, they're also going to release pricing around it. And look at my notes here, I apologize. It looks like it's going to cost as low as $30 per month for each Microsoft uh, 365 user. And it'll be the AI technology for them to start utilizing. And it'll be a productivity tool. So it'll be interesting to see how much is that going to translate to, you know, marketing, you know, obviously this is a huge announcement and pretty much every business on the planet uses Microsoft in one way or another, even the largest fashion companies that top technologies have had the privilege of working with, even they, even if they have, you know, whole suites of Apple's, you know, Apple products to design the products and the fashion, and even if they have Google or G Suite for their, you know, OS or their, or their, a couple of their softwares, some of them using, even use Chromebooks, usually you have Microsoft somewhere, even if it's on just a server. So it's pretty much in every business. It'll be interesting to see how companies start to utilize that technology, perhaps as a tool to make their businesses more profitable. Now, this news, of course, caused Microsoft stock to jack up immediately. It jumped up about 7% to a record high of $359.49 per share, which is an astronomical value. Although not too surprising since it's Microsoft. It's, it's one of those things where it's a staple of most businesses, kind of have to have it and it'll be interesting to see does their stock ever go down time shall tell but they've been pretty solid for quite some time i still remember back when it was at 79 dollars a share obviously hindsight's with investing always 2020. now speaking of investing you have some bad news for the telecom community you have at&t and verizon both of their stocks dropping due to some uh, lead wiring now it turned out that both of these companies used lead-covered cables, and it turns out they're starting to contaminate many parts of the United States. So that's going to be pretty bad. Depending on the revenue for the year, it might just be a not, not nothing simple, but a class action lawsuit, and they most likely they'll just settle out of court since lawsuits can take years or decades to actually go through, and lawyers are expensive and Usually, more often than not, settling gets the victims or the alleged victims in the situation get some money near immediately. Well, after the lawyers take most of it, but it's a lot faster than having it go out through years of the court system. So, if I were to speculate, I would say in this instance, they're probably going to settle for an out of court for an undisclosed amount or some. You know, they always have that nice fluff in there. But it's already hurting their stock precipitously. So it looks like AT&T, their stock hit a three-decade low. When that news hit earlier this week on Monday, it dropped to about $13.53 per share. Now, Verizon, their stock dropped about 10% at the news. So, pretty bad. And keep in mind, these companies also have competition up and coming from Elon Musk's, uh, what was this? He has so many companies, it's hard to keep track of which one is relevant at the moment in terms of the conversation. Now, for this one, it would be their Starlink. Now, Starlink, if you look at where AT&T, Verizon, a lot of these companies make their money, Traditionally, you you know you have the cable, which that's a dying industry. That's why AT&T, I believe, spun off DirecTV a couple of decades or years ago. But you also have cell phones, which are pretty, pretty relevant. And you also have internet, whether it be a fiber optic, optic cable running to your house or in, you know, you have Starlink's cable. Uh, and since they have addition of satellite. So there's a lot less restrictions and Elon has a lot more creativity in terms of their technological innovations. So you've seen Verizon and AT&T precipitously dropping for years for their stock valuations and their market share. And they really need a CEO to start to turn that trend around. Time shall tell to see what actions they have to take, but the analysts are already freaking out on Wall Street, which makes sense. You have this big potential lawsuit. They're already losing market share continuously. 
And this actually downgrade comes from Citigroup. Now Citigroup, their warnings came after also JP Morgan also downgraded AT&T from an overweight to neutral, which I, I'm surprised they use that term overweight. That's pejorative. I mean, it sounds bad because it's overweight, but now it's neutral, which means do nothing. So don't sell the stock or buy the stock. C minus for marketing because overweight, depending on who you ask is good or bad or depending on who you listen to. So C, C minus actually for marketing from these analyst companies. It's really nice to have buy, sell, neutral. Again, some might say I'm a marketing genius for coming up with that, but their words and pontifications are perhaps much more eloquent and interesting for the common folk. Now, AT&T cited that they believe it shouldn't be too bad, but they're also pretty darn concerned of this exposure that they have on this lead issue. And just the word lead gets a lot of Americans freaking out because obviously it has a lot of negative health connotations. So just, just the news alone, we don't have the data yet on how many people this has affected, how many illness cases or death. We don't have any of those quantifiable numbers yet, but just the news had the, just the news and the just worry that it might happen soon. It just caused the stock to just crash, which really goes to show you the power of stock markets and actually the importance of just PR and just news in general, because this just taught, this just had a huge effect on those companies. Now, other interesting businesses, you have the iPhone 15 is going to have a thinner bezel. Well, golly gee whiz, that's exciting. Now, this comes from a prominent leaker by the name of Ice Universe, which D plus for marketing, it's better than, I mean, if this person is known for leaking a bunch of interesting things about iPhones and Apples, I mean, Apple leakers, something more related to leaking documents and leaking this news or like news leak, something. Yeah, he, he does not get a good grade for marketing in my marketing department. Now, this is claiming that the iPhone 15 Pro Max will have the thinnest bezels ever found on a smartphone. Ooh, that'll surely justify the price of it being more expensive than a down payment for a vehicle. For Apple fans. Now, it looks like Ice Universe shared an image of which they identified the glass displays of a third-party screen protector for the iPhone 15 lineup. And logically speaking, it makes sense that this data is already out there since Apple is of course, one of the largest providers when it comes to telephones and cell phones specifically. But when you're making these devices, you have to let the ecosystem know since all the accessories that people slap on and upgrade the phones, they have to know ahead of time because they have to have the tooling in place, they have to start making the product. So ideally, when the phone actually hits market physically, you can buy all those little widgets and accessories and Apple gets a licensing fee and everyone makes money, presumably. Now, it looks like in terms of the reputation of this gentleman by the name of Ice Universe. They also leaked out the prediction of a smaller notch on the iPhone 13. Fascinating stuff. Now, all that being said, who? I don't know how that's going to drive more sales. And it'll be interesting to see, <clears throat> excuse me, how is Apple really innovating right now? They came out with their nerd goggles, those kind of fell flat on their face because who wants to spend about $4,000 on a smartphone to plug you know but just put on your face awkwardly i know you can see through it and it does extra things but according to my linkedin poll 40 percent of the 256 people i believe i pulled they all agreed that categorize when we categorized you know what do you think of a new google you know the apple ipro vision banana falcon and the options were you know we thought it was really innovative somewhat innovative nerd goggles about 40 percent of people said nerd goggles 
granted the sample size is usually IT people in Texas, just based on my connections, but I mean, how is Apple really innovating? We've had the iPhone for decades now. I think it came out in 07 or 08. And every year it gets a little bit nicer camera and like it's a little bit thinner. Okay. I mean, are, are, really, are they really looking into the future on what the newest technology will be about telecom or communications in general? There's a lot of speculation, maybe be implant technology where you shove something in your head physically or inject something in your body, who knows? Nanobots, science fiction, funny third thing. But I'm sure it'll make them a lot of money, but long-term it'll be interesting to see what are they really doing to stand out and differentiate from Android besides being much more expensive and having some nice, a couple nice components. We shall see. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Charles Barkley praising Bud Light and telling boycotters to F themselves. Now, I did some research and it looks like Charles Barkley was a ball player on a hockey team. Kidding. I know some of the sports balls fans are in the audience listening intently. I know he was on some types of sports team involving balls, most likely basketball. Personally, I'm always more interested in fascinating the business behind sports teams, but I digress. It looks like, I don't know if you had a breakdown, but let's hear, let's wait, hear what he had to say. That's a tall order. That's, uh, it'll hurt your taste buds, most likely. I want y'all to drink this fucking beer. I got three cases of Bud Light. He's responsible for 50% of all Bud Light sales, allegedly. He just said he has three cases? I haven't seen anyone buy a bottle. No, I think I've seen two people buy bottles in the past two months. So he's he might be the number one consumer right now, actually, now that I think about it. The sales data will be fascinating to see. How eloquently spoken, Charles Barkley. So smart, so, so brilliant. And I'm pretty sure these days he just comments on sports balls. What does Charles Barkley do for a living? Certainly he gets paid to do something. I guess he is a sports commentator still. Presumably, he's an an- oh, 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 I love how they spin these titles these days. He's a sports analyst. Ooh, very, very impressive, Mr. Barkley. And again, it's one of those things where I think ESPN was a pre was pretty much the number one station to fall. And he actually, he said it even worse. So another quote that came from him was, quote, let me tell you something, all you rednecks, which I should censor that since that's a pejorative term for some people. So I'll rewind. Quote, hey, let me... That's not proper grammar. I'm sorry, that bugged me. Lemme, L-E-M-M-E. Okay, I'll rewind one more time. I promise we're gonna get through this quote as, as much as it grammatically hurts us. Now, quote, hey, let me tell you something. All you rednecks or assholes who don't want to drink Bud Light, fuck y'all. Hey, y'all can't cancel me, unquote. Well, presumably there are enough people that will watch any sports balls and analysts, so he won't be canceled. He's also, by now, I'm sure he's a millionaire. So I don't know how much of an effect cancel culture would have on him at the moment. Given the ties and the winds of media, I'm certainly I'm certain his job is secure. 
most people who detest sports and politics being mixed together have long since stopped watching ESPN and other major commenting shows. And again, I always think you comment on sports balls being thrown. It used to be called a pigskin until they stopped making it because it offended the pig community. And now I think they're made synthetic. So, but then at the same time, now they're hurting the hippie community or the environmentalists because plastics are evil, I'm told. But nevertheless, why should we care about a sports balls analyst on this issue? He also misconstrues the point. When, again, when I'm talking about the Bud Light boycott, most people when I talk to it, it's not about the, there's no, there's very few people who have a controversy around the instance where Bud Light is sponsoring LGBTQ plus I, I forget the acronym, community. They've been doing that for 10 years. That's, or no, more than that. I believe the CEO probably said it was since uh, 93. So about, about 30 years, Bud Light has sponsored gay pride parades and everything. The difference is, and I, I have to explain this for the 20th time. I apologize if you're a newcomer, you'll appreciate it more, perhaps as data. But when I talked to a lot of people about the Bud Light boycott, their concern was the trans activist boy that Bud Light hired for their campaign, Dil Mulvaney, the average audience member of that individual on the TikTok platform is a child. It's about 15 years old. If you look at the average audience or user of the TikTok app. And again, you can't sell alcohol to children in the United States. Probably can in France, but in the United States, that's against federal law or state law. Technically state law because the states get their highway funding funds. It's a long, fascinating story of why every state chose age 21 to be the limit. Had to do with highway funding, fascinatingly enough. And I believe Wisconsin was the last one to acquiesce to change from 18 to 21, even though you could join the army at age 18. But I digress. It's one of those issues where, like last year, no one cared. Bud Light sponsored a lot of the same parades. The issue that I saw this year was that specific spokesperson that they chose, or spokesman that they chose, as well as these parades are now having men naked in front of children. I don't know anyone who would consider that an appropriate scenario or an appropriate audience or situation. That's, that's the word I was looking for. And most people would rightfully see that as morally vacuous, disgusting, evil, to have naked adults in front of children. That's what, when I see the comments on Twitter and all these social media sites, that's the big thing people are concerned about when it comes to these specific boycott and why they're upset with these brands now versus before. And some people say those parades have gotten a lot out of hand. They even have sexual, how do you call it? They perform explicit sexual acts in the public with their privates, which used to be called privates for a reason. It'll be interesting to see, do people get behind and boycott Charles Barkley? Or does his fan base stay about the same since most people maybe they stopped watching years ago? We still, we, we shall see time, as I always say, shall tell. Now, other interesting culture news, you have Bud Light versus Twitter, then they, their birds keep dying. It's fascinating and entertaining to watch, and even more fascinating to see the actual hidden comments that Bud Light doesn't want you to see. Hint, it's a lot of, uh, mostly the meme of Alyssa Heiderschild, who will forever be known as the most brilliant marketing. She prominently said on LinkedIn, the first female marketing lead at Anheuser-Busch. She will never be forgotten, I promise you that. She was the mastermind who hired Dylan O'Vaney to be their spokesperson. And they have her standing above the grave with a little meme where it's her face plastered at the guys with the peace sign above the grave. And the grave says, Anheuser-Busch, their establishment date to this year. Now, this recent tweet that they had, they actually tweeted something and it turned out to be trash in many instances. Now, 
they're continuing to push against that big wave of everyone pushing back against them on Twitter. They they went about believe, over a month and a half of silence, which is basically an eternity on social media. And their latest tweet was a guy holding a bottle of Bud Light, not drinking it, of course, which is somewhat funny, but also I, I did a little research. In terms of industry trends, it's kind of a, it's a non-spoken agreement between the alcohol beverage companies to pretty much gain favor with the government. There's no law that says you can't consume beer in a commercial, but they're worried about further regulation and they don't wanna be screwed over like the tobacco community has when nowadays it's illegal for tobacco companies to actually advertise on TV in any way. That's why you've never seen a commercial depending on your age group. So they're worried they don't want any additional regulation. So they're self-regulating to some extent and that's one of the things they do. Now, this has a gentleman holding a bottle of Bud Light and it had 246,000 views and 987 likes. And at this point, I almost wonder if they're paying for likes, which is apparently something you can do if you're sad or desperate. You can actually pay people to like your post. Now, actually, it reminds me, if you're watching, do us a favor and do go ahead and click that like button because it does help the channel out and the comments also greatly help the channel out and we appreciate the feedback. Now, of the 246,000 people who viewed it, they got 987 likes, that equals and I know, United States math scores at an all-time low, so we'll do a little math today. That equals 0.4% likes. Almost half, just shy of half a percentage. Which, yes, that is quite pitiful. That is correct. Now, the number one ratio tweet, so this tweet, of course, someone replied to it and their tweet was more popular. That got 12,100 views. And that tweet was a guy, same picture, this guy holding the beer, but... They photoshopped a trash bin behind it, so it looked like he was about to throw it into the trash. Simplic There's some beauty in the simplicity of that pun that he made. Now, that particular response got 12,100 views and 632 likes, which, do a little math, that's 5.27% likes. So of the everyone who saw the meme, 5.27% liked it, as opposed to the people who saw the original, 0.4% of people liked it. Now, you also had another response that's quite entertaining, which is a parody where the, they photoshopped the beer out for a, um, a, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying a, a sex toy for the back door. Now, um, that one got 9,606 views and it got 537 likes. So 5.59% of people who saw it liked it. So is Quite fascinating to see this tweet just immediately ratioed. And if you look at the comments, every, like, an overwhelming 90 plus percent of the comments are all people saying, apologize, we won't forget, T your beer tastes terrible. And I saw maybe one person actually respond to the Bud Light tweet in a positive manner. So they're starting to creep up. I don't know if that's a bot or maybe someone who works at Andrew Bush and Bev, but it's fascinating to see there's the overwhelming negativity against Bud Light has not let up. Also, their sales are not gone up either. And we'll see if they can turn it around. Now, other interesting business, you have, you have yet another tweet ratioed in seconds by Bud Light. They, this company's getting really aggressive pushing out their marketing, almost like their strategy of making beer, just push it out. Quantity? No, 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 well, yeah, yeah. Quality? No, 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 quantity, yes, push that out. So they, put out a tweet Saturday and Sunday. So the latter tweet, I call it the Bullet Tweets Trash 2.0. Now, this is a picture in which you have a, uh, you have two gals, they actually do have shoes on this time, so not 
hurting their feet on the stone road, which they made that mistake was two weeks ago. Which, unrealistic, obviously. Somewhat hilarious with the Lego memes of them. Be like, oh, it's worse than Legos. But I digress. This particular one had a white gal and an uh, African-American woman. Both holding, or the one gal was holding a case of Bud Light beer. I don't know why, but she was holding it. And apparently they were walking. Now, their original post in the first 24 hours got 315,000 views. And 795 likes. So, that equals, again, I know... United States math scores at an all-time low, so we'll do a little math together and learn today. That's 0.25% likes. So not even half a percentage, a half of a half a percentage actually liked that content. I can't help but think they're all Anisha Bush employees, since they do have about 35,000 direct employees, or maybe it's part of the 60,000 distributors who work for them. They have a big ecosystem, but it's funny to think not even the people working there are liking it. Because if everyone at the company liked that tweet, they'd have 30,000 plus likes. Even the people working there aren't liking it, presumably. Now, it was immediately, of course, ratioed, thanks to the brilliant Photoshop capabilities of the Twitter universe and the Twitter crowd. Now, the most liked, or one of the best responses was, they had the parody of the photo, so they had the same photo, but they Photoshopped a trash bin to the right of the gals, so it looks like they were walking over the Bud Light case to the trash bin, which of course the trash bin was photoshopped, so there was a plethora of Bud Light cases. Again, I said it once, I said it before, there's a little bit of a brilliance and beauty in simplicity. Got the message across, entertaining and hilarious. Now, that response to the original Bud Light tweet got 53.4 thousand views in the first 24 hours and 2,991 likes, which, if you're into rifles, easy to remember, that is a 5.56% likes which is astronomically good, so it gets even better. The second most popular response to the original Bud Light tweet of the gals walking around with beer, that one had the same thing with the girls carrying the beer, but they actually photoshopped the background behind the girls, so they're actually in a landfill, which presumably, I don't know if they bought the beer, I don't know if the joke is they bought the beer at the landfill because it's so cheap and poor quality, or if it's because perhaps they're just sending it to the landfill, or maybe they bought it at the landfill, they're gonna throw away at the landfill, thereby giving the best you know carbon footprint on the planet because it goes exactly where it intends to go. Literally, you don't even have to truck it anywhere, it just goes make it there, throw it away. That would be hilarious as well. But that one had, within the first 24 hours, 13.8 thousand views and 515 likes, equaling a like percentage rate of 3.73%. So the responses to Bud Light got a 5.56% likes and 3.73% likes. Bud Light, the company themselves, got 0.25% likes. They continue to be the business blunder of the year. Some might say a decade. Perhaps we should send the CEO, Brendan Whitworth, a trophy to commemorate their brilliant business decisions. That's sarcasm, folks. Now... Other interesting cultural news, you have Disney assets for sale. Now, this comes as Bob Iger is considering selling some of their assets because they're bleeding money hand or fist. And just, trying to, it's almost like the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again, expecting a different result. Now, that's something you usually teach children in first or second grade or even kindergarten, depending on their intellectual capabilities. But this 50 plus year old CEO and 100 plus year old company eludes them for reasons. 
Now, perhaps they're starting to learn because, or maybe they're just going to put more money into it by liquidating certain assets. Now, this comes from an interview which Bob Iger, the current CEO of Disney, uh, CEO of Disney, went with. He went to interview with David Faber, and admittedly, Iger noted that its local TV stations, such as including a ABC and FX, are quote may not be core unquote to the Disney company, which. Of course, I actually think that would have been prudent to get rid of those things years ago. There was a time and place where that made sense, and perhaps I don't think Bob Iger is foolish enough in terms of uh, business sense for his situation to be um, sentimental about ABC. In terms of respect for his CEO's work ethic, I am quite admirable of Bob Iger. I actually plan on buying one of his autobiographies to learn a little bit more about them. And he did build Biz Disney up. It worked in, he literally worked his ass off. The American Dream, which everyone says is dead, is BS. He started off as a stagehand at ABC. So literally just doing manual labor for a TV station, worked like hell, kept moving up the corporate ladder. Disney eventually, I think they acquired it in, 90s, in the 90s, Disney bought ABC, the new station, and he kept working like hell and became the CEO. And for, I believe he was the CEO for about 15 years, I mean it was 95, 2020. And under his tenure, he bought some very valuable assets, including Lucasfilm, which of course is Star Wars, and Star, or Star Trek. Kidding, I know it's Star Wars. But it also includes Marvel, and he made another couple other brilliant acquisitions. Now, you could argue if the actual content is worth more than 58 cents, but they've overall made money most of the time. Most of those movies. But it, that buying them was brilliant. The execution and what they made, that's perhaps where the debate is. And also, a lot of people will blame Bob Chapek when... So, Bob Iger bought those great assets. Bob Chapek came in proceeded to shoot the company in the foot multiple times, and then Bob Iger recently, I believe six, six to eight months ago, came back to, of course, try to fix this situation. In terms of cable networks being dead, they're, they're, it's just a numbers game at this point. It's one of those things where, similar to home telephones, I think it'll be a two-pronged approach. You're gonna have people who are, one, they're cutting the cable, but when people move, and people are getting their first homes, their first houses, or they're moving to a new house, they're not signing up for that, because frankly, the old use case of having it really is no longer valid for most people. So you're going to have that double-pronged double approach, and it'll be interesting to see how much that continues to just tank. Now, a lot of people thought Disney streaming might be doing great. However, it seems to be the same story as most, I don't want to say startup, well, I would say it's a startup within the company. They're bleeding money worse than we, worse than I possibly thought. Now, it looks like Disney streaming services have been losing both money and subscribers. Many people would note perhaps this is because of them getting overly involved in politics, sexual, sexualizing children, injecting politics into things that shouldn't be political. There's many reasons why they're decreasing subscriber count. And it looks like Disney Plus lost 4 million subscribers last quarter. That's terrible. 4 million people just said, no. Oh, thanks, Disney. We see what you're making, we don't agree with it, or we're just trying to save money. There's a reason people are cutting those subscriptions so quickly and in such great numbers. And I question sometimes the financial prudence of most people in the United States where people do buy frivolous things they don't need. I tend to think the greater reason why more people are dropping it is because of the political reasons and the content they're currently making. You can only rely on your Disney vault for so many years. They have a vast amount of intellectual property that they've, of course, made for about the past hundred years that they can rely on. But a fair big reason people sign up for streaming is because the newer stuff and they want to see the big glamorous movies. Now, it looks like 
Disney Plus, so the streaming part of the business, they're projecting to have a quarterly loss. Not 10 million, not 100 million, not 200 million. $800 million in one fiscal quarter. That is a huge loss. And there's even more rumors coming out that Bloomberg, or an interview that Bob Iger did with Bloomberg, this led them to believe that he's actually open to restructuring TV's, Disney's TV and streaming services in India also specifically, since that was one of the, the countries globally where they had one of the biggest losses. Now, you also, of course, have their stock being downgraded because they're doing so bad. Wells Fargo analyst named by Steve Cahal, or Cahal, Cahal, Cahal sounds cool. We'll do that. Cahal, he's saying that Disney streaming might be good long-term, but he's also specifically noted, you know, how much could they raise in capital from selling the legacy TV channels? He actually analyzed and he believes that they could get about $8 billion if they were to sell off their TV networks. And in terms of TV network success, the only thing I know about FX is they successfully sponsored or they invested in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in terms of they gave them the first season. They're they're about to be canceled. The person, the president of FX was actually one of Dane DeVito's former, I believe he's a manager of his, uh, Dane DeVito's uh, media company. And they decided to get Dane DeVito involved. And subsequently, the show exploded. A lot of people fell in love with the show. In terms of what FX has that's actually valuable, that might be the only thing that I know or I can think of off the top of my head. And if they could, in terms of the future, I think it'd be a really prudent business decision just to sell off the TV channels. That will give you, again, I'm not a mathematician or a brilliant mathematician, but if you have, if you're losing 800 million per quarter, but you get 800 billion, it's about 10 quarters, you could actually break even, which of course, you know, businesses can't do that forever. You gotta make profit eventually. Well, it'll be interesting to see you know, what's their long-term plan or how is that going to work out. Now, interestingly enough, the, Bob Iger doesn't want to sell all of their TV assets. It looks like he kind of has his heart set on keeping ESPN, which I would say is pretty much worth little. It's not worthless. Well, the content is my opinion, but that was the first, in terms of you study media, that was... The first network, and specifically the first sporting network, that really leaned into politics and political commentary when you're talking about sports balls. Which, again, sports enthusiasts, I presume, they want to know, hey, that guy threw ball in hoop. Three points or two points, whatever. Do they really care about, oh yeah, but th this player was saying something about guns. And uh, I remember, actually, like two or three years ago, there's an ESPN moron, I mean commentator, and he made a comment about, Oh yeah, it's so useless. Um, there's a player which assaulted the wife, and she only had a knife. And they're like, "Oh yeah, you never need a gun." You know, and a gun would have not would not have stopped him because he's such a big bodybuilder, an athlete. Which is the dumbest thing I've heard in several years. Since there's a very famous quote that God made man, but Samuel Colt made man equal. Samuel Colt was a brilliant man who patented the successful design of the revolver. Now. It is true that it is a great equalizer. It makes it so that, regardless of your body size, you can defend yourself as the founding fathers intended. So, in terms of level of moronic statements, ESPN has just precipitously increased exponentially throughout time. That's why many people I know cut the cable and they don't want to pay for ESPN anymore because they want to tune in for sports. If they want sports, if they want political commentary, they'd go to CNN, C-SPAN, MSNBC. They go to a political show. Presumably, that makes pretty darn good sense. So ESPN made that decision years ago. I don't know why he wants to keep hanging on to it. 
maybe it'll be interesting to see how much money that ESPN Plus or whatever they call their streaming sports balls will make. But if you look at the trend of people moving away from legacy media or bigger companies to more medium companies, that pendulum seems to keep swinging. So I don't, it'd be interesting to see. I don't actually see it working out too well, but that's just my three cents. Used to be two cents back in the day, but this 40 year hyperinflation, I, I should charge four cents, but three cents will suffice because I'm a, I'm a nice, generous man. What can I say? Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Norway banning Facebook and Instagram, which that might be the first fight everyone's heard about when it comes to Norway, incidentally enough. Now, this is because of the Norwegian Data Protection Authority, which I'm a little disappointed. They have a cool acronym, NDA, NDPA, Nebuda. They get an F plus for marketing. It's clearly terrible. They should have done something different. Very few are going to remember that. You already forgot it. I know I have. It's just that forgettable of a name. But I digress. We'll learn that name one more time so we can forget about it in 38 seconds. Now, specifically, that's the Norwegian Data Protection Authority. They ordered the U.S. technology firm Meta, which everyone knows that's a Facebook parent company name. They're trying to rebrand, but they'll always be Facebook to me. Now, they ordered them to stop showing users in Norway personalized ads based on their online activity and estimated locations. The ban kicks in in August, according to the order obtained by exclusively by Politico, and they claim that it was sent to Facebook back in July 14th. Now, it looks like Facebook's advertising practice involved, quote, processing a very private inception of personal data through a highly opaque and intrusive monitoring and profiling operations, unquote, which this is according to Norway's Data Synet Agency, DSA, D minus for marketing. But yeah, welcome to social media. That's pretty much every social media company these days. For better, or I would argue for worse, it, that's how they make money. That's why you can go on these apps for free because they're harvesting your data. That's how they make a profit, which is fascinating to see that some people still understand that concept, but we'll see. Sometimes maybe they'll learn. Now, the ban is on so-called behavioral advertising, and the ban is gonna be lasting about three months. So actually, we'll. Overall, globally, probably won't hurt their sales, but even just three months of that one market's probably millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, it's going to start from August 4th, and it'll be both Facebook and Instagram. And after that, they claim that they will only be able to show people customized ads, but based only on information given by users in their About section. So if you sign up and say maybe your age, your profession, gender, It'd be one of the things where maybe they advertise you a wrench because you say you're a mechanic. Something in terms of transparency and kind of just log logically, that that seems pretty fair. That that makes a lot of sense. I think when it comes to people's understandings of social media, I think that'd be a lot more palatable. Though at the same time, unless they're, it'll be interesting to see, but I don't see them change that policy long term. They'll probably just change the laws or try to try a different approach because again, that gives you a very small amount of data, and obviously they need to make a profit. I don't know how much data it takes for them to actually make a profit per user. But as I always say, time shall tell. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Taco Tuesday. That phrase is now unowned. Previously, it was actually trademarked. So this is thanks from a lawsuit from Taco Bell against the company by the name of Taco John. So Taco John is a restaurant chain and they trademarked that phrase in every U.S. state except New Jersey. And 
I can't believe this. They said that they will stop defending its exclusive right to use the phrase commercially. Now, Taco Bell actually petitioned the U.S. Patent Office and the Trademark Office back in May of this year, trying to get them to legally surrender the trademark. Now, Taco John, when asked for commentary, they said that, quote, rather, or sorry, rather than continue to a legal fight that would have cost millions, they decided to make a 40000 donation to an industry nonprofit urging Taco Bell to do the same. Now, the business blunder here comes from Taco John partially just for not defending their intellectual property, which or their trademark was they did own, but specifically they really didn't incorporate it more into the company and make it more unique to them. I think the big issue that a lot of people have with this was just the term Taco Tuesday is too generic. If they were to incorporate, and again, I, I'm a no marketing guru by any means, I do a little bit, but I would think if they would have made it more personable and more directly correlated to their business specifically, they probably could have held on to that trademark for presumably forever. And there wouldn't be as much as a cultural backlash against this because a lot of people were upset because it's such a common thing to say that a lot of people suspected Taco Bell, would, it would have been one of those things where they would have most likely lost the battle in court. And the business letter is just, it is a brilliant idea, but it just wasn't perfectly executed and perfectly customized enough to make it, in my opinion, and I guess in public's opinion, truly theirs, which would have been brilliant because, again, it is a very catchy term. Everyone says it. They just needed, uh, what's a good metaphor for tacos? A little bit, little bit more guac on it, as a youth might say, or uh, onions. Or people put, Amer whatever people put on tacos, presumably. But if they did that, that would be a little better. But to not, to have that kernel of idea and not really, really exploit it, making it a competitive business advantage, and then just letting it go, that's, that's comp that, that, that's gotta be the business letter of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in. Don't forget, we're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of July, so I'd greatly appreciate it if you click that subscribe button. Also, every time you comment, it greatly helps the channel out, gets the video shared more. Also appreciate the critique as we try to make the show better and better. And also, don't forget to like the video. And lastly, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone, just stay safe and fight the good fight.